0: well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play
1: for free right
0: now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Talk show Recorded live.
1: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Talking Twilight Zone. <laughs>
2: Take a look and see what just breathed in the door. Why, I didn't know the circus was in town. Must have got that shirt off on the dead Chinese.
0: <laughs> you open this door with the click of a mouse. Beyond it is a world of sound, thought, and opinion. In-depth discussions of television's greatest blending of science, superstition, imagination. And you're invited along. For the next 30 minutes, we'll be talking Twilight Zone.
1: Yes, indeed, we will be talking Twilight Zone. Hello, folks. My name is Lynn. And as always, I'm your host for Talking Twilight Zone, and once again, I'm always thrilled to be here with my wonderful co-hosts, Bobby and Robert, and unfortunately, Dave is not here, but we do have one of our most loyal followers. He must yeah, be on the open where... trail
3: somewhere, who knows?
1: Yeah, Probably but...
3: doing some in there, Bring the cattle in.
1: <laughs> <coughs> who knows? He might be. He might be, but luckily we do have one of our most loyal followers with us, Rick Wall. So we'll be happy to get Rick wrangling in the cattle <laughs> to give yeah. his opinion. Yeah. Uh.
3: Well, we just want to welcome everybody, moving on into the um, Talking Twilight Zone show here. Sit down, take your boots off and
1: uh, rest resting that
3: cattle drive that you took.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and taking Dave's place, we have the wonderfully and in, in unbelievably wonderful Rick Wall, who we're always thrilled to have here. So, let's just say that this episode is Need called... Need help? Yeah, Definitely. it needs... Oh, Need yeah, help. it needs help. It's called The Showdown with Rant McGrew. Okay, now a totally bumbling, egotistical, and cowardly, might I add cowardly, TV cowboy uh, TV cowboy star, he's a star, remember that, star, named Rance McGrew. Now,
3: he's see, ready.
1: poor Lynn, She
3: wanting to get through this quick that she um, do not want to hear what Rod has to say about
4: the oh, opening shoot. clip.
1: Oh, you're right. Oh, Can we have an <laughs> opening clip? <laughs> she
4: always hogs what? every show.
1: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs>
3: Why, sure. And we got a little treat at the beginning of the clip, so here we go.
1: Do it.
2: Marty, I gave you explicit instructions not to come here, but to go directly back to 1985. I know, Doc. I had to come. But it's good to see you, Marty. Marty, you're going to have to do something about those clothes. You walk around town dressed like that, you'll have to get shot. Or hanged. What idiot dressed you in that outfit? You did And now, Mr. Serling. Years ago, a motley collection of tough mustaches galloped across the West and left behind a raft of legends and ledger domains. And it seems a reasonable conjecture that if there are any television sets up in cowboy heaven, and any one of these rough and woolly nail eaters could see with what careless abandon their names and exploits are being bandied about, they're very likely turning over in their graves, or worse, getting out of them which gives you a clue as to the proceedings that will begin in just a moment when one Mr. Rance McGrew, a 3000 buck a week phony baloney, discovers that this week's current edition of Make Believe is being shot on location, and that location is the Twilight Zone.
3: Now we'll move on back over to the bar and have Lynn take care of you. Go ahead, Lynn.
1: Ba, 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 ba I always talk to ba, 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 ba. <laughs> Yeah, and, and see, now, I, I did forget to have you do the opening clip, and I didn't have any beer before the show. So, see? See? I'm bad. better with the <laughs> And I even put it on there and it knocks the edge off for you. This kind of, the, the kind of episode you want to bring before
4: you <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, they yeah, You know I how
3: people done. when they sit and drink and they say how pretty that woman looks at the end of the bar? It'd <laughs> probably make this story look better if they had a few drinks. All the women look <laughs> better
1: but. at closing time, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> okay, well anyway. This uh Rance McGrew, he's a totally bumbling, egotistical and cowardly T V cowboy star. Okay, and he's ready to shoot a scene and it's a scene in which Jesse James is supposed to shoot him in the back. And all kinds of things go wrong. Due to Rance McGrew being a bumbling idiot, and suddenly during one of the many scene takes, he suddenly finds himself in the real Old West, in a real Old West saloon. And the real Jesse James walks in and explains to him that he and Billy the Kid and the Dalton boys and other famous outlaws are not pleased with the way they're portrayed in McGrew's show. So James then challenges uh, challenges McGrew, and, and McGrew has never shot a gun in his life, never rode a horse, never shot a gun. You know, nothing nothing to do with cowboy actions at all. And he challenges McGrew to a showdown. McGrew, of course, attempts to run away. But James corners him. So McGrew drops to his knees, and he pleads for him to not shoot him, to just leave him alone. And and so Jesse James says, you know, well, what are you, a coward? And, and, and well, what, you, you can't fight? And he says he'll do anything if James will only spare him. So Jesse James backs off. He shows a pity. And he says, well, we may be stiffs up there. But we're sensitive. So McGrew yeah, then rob finds sensitive killers. <laughs> That's right. We're sensitive killers. Oh, thank you
3: for letting me rob your bank. Um <laughs> just put the money in the bag and I won't shoot you. Thanks.
1: That's right. We're 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 very sensitive. I mean, you know, we, we have flowers on our mantles, you know. <laughs> but he says, uh, you know, we're very sensitive. So then Rance McGrew finds himself back on the original set of the show and Suddenly, somebody comes up to him and says, "You know, your agent's waiting for you outside." And he says, "What? An agent? What agent?" And he goes out there, and the agent turns out to be Jesse James himself, in all kinds of Hollywood garb. You know, he's wearing and a what's red. that
3: terrible Hawaiian shirt he's wearing? Oh, Man. and the
1: loud sports <laughs> shirt. Yeah, the Hawaiian shirt. Oh my like, God! He's a re- he's an
0: agent. What do you want? Oh,
1: my God. That's true. <laughs> He, he he was touched an by angel. an angel. He was he was touched by an angel. He was touched by an angel with a very bad fashion sense because he arrived to make sure that all the outlaws get their just due, beginning with Jesse James throwing McGrew out of the saloon. Oh with man. So you got to figure. Well, this show isn't going to last very long because the star is going to get beat up all the time now. So where's the logic in that? I don't know. I mean, it it just doesn't make any sense. I honestly, I'm telling you, I honestly don't know why Rod allowed these lame attempts at humorous episodes to be aired. I mean, we're talking about one of the most brilliant, ingenious men to ever pen a sci-fi story. And yet he lets this kind of garbage grace the very TV series that made him an icon. I mean, the story was based on an idea by... um, uh, uh, Frederick Fox, I think it was. Fred Fox, Frederick Fox. And Rod took the idea, and this is what he did with it. So I kind of wish Freddie had kept this idea to himself, but I also wish that Rod wasn't so quick to run with these bad ideas. Um, I mean, look, Rod was one of those people, he respected writers, and he respected almost all the writers who submitted things to him. And he believed in giving them a break. And that's obvious from some of the crap he's let go by, and I respect him for that. But this is pretty bad, and I think he needed to take a few steps back on this one and think a little bit harder. I mean, uh, well, um, remember the episode from season one titled "A World of Difference," which a movie actor taken back from uh, taking from his real world into a movie world and then back again. Yeah, I that one
2: too.
1: Yeah. Oh yes, yeah. It's like. Ho-hum, you know, the deja vu thing, been there, done that. These episodes are going to need to be too much at this point. And the only saving grace is that somehow he always manages to bring in some extraordinary episodes that keep us hanging on. And that is the brilliance of Rod Serling. He can throw out a couple of turkeys, as Rod used to call them. He called his duds turkeys. We call them duds. He called them turkeys. He throws them out there at us. And we say, well, yeah, but you've got to have something better for us. And he always does. He always manages to keep us hanging in there. He has episodes such as Kick the Can, To Serve Man, The Little People, you know, and he keeps us hanging in because of those episodes. We stay dedicated to this man who somehow always managed to give us something great, even if we had to wade through a few clunkers to get to them. And well I kinda
3: of look at Twilight Zone as digging for gold. It's pretty much you got the Twilight Zone, which is the the canyon or cave, you go digging for gold, you um
1: get a couple of coal Dig lumps. up
3: some real nuggets and some others yeah, you yeah. dig up some pyrite, which yeah, you know is right. cool gold.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like you get the coal and you get the diamonds, Yeah, <laughs> yep. Exactly. I agree and with you. And the
3: crap sometimes.
1: And the crap, yeah, and the crap <laughs> and, and, and and the and the uh, old shoe that might have been buried underneath. <laughs> Somewhere. The one but the dog Larry,
3: likes to chew in on. The, yeah. that's right.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: and Larry Blyden. I mean, I, you know, Larry Blyden, I, I have nothing against the guy. He, I think he was a decent actor. I mean, there's no Clark Gable, or of course, he was no Charlton Heston. Nobody's Charlton Heston. But I, I liked him much better in the uh, season one episode. Nice Place to Visit. Yeah, Nice Place to
3: Visit, visit. my favorite. Yeah, Yeah. I
1: liked it better than that. You know, I liked it. This one. Rocky
3: Valentine, yeah.
1: Yeah, Rocky Valentine, exactly. So, I mean, I really can't say much about this terrible episode. It does belong in the dumpster. It's just terrible. I'm sorry that Rod let it go through. But But the time
3: travel element, you have to admit, Lynn, was pretty good.
1: Yeah. At least you have a
3: little time travel in it to justify something out of
0: it.
1: Yeah, and that's about the only thing though. You know, I mean other yeah, than that, yeah. I mean the opposite really stunk. And I you know what sometimes I wonder if Rod did that on purpose. Let's throw a couple of turkeys in there. And they're they're gonna sit there and say, What what what? What's this what's this? What uh is it gonna get any better? And then throw in a good one. Like the little people or or to serve man. Oh, oh, there we are, and now we're we're back again to the good stuff. You know, and they get a couple of good ones and then a couple of I don't know. I don't know what Rod's mind was like. I wish I could have crawled inside of it once. Or
3: four (laughs) o'clock.
0: Yeah,
1: well, four (laughs) o'clock. And again, that's like something, you know, making a statement. Well, of course you want to make a statement, but I don't know. I've just never really, I wish I could, if I was was a little flea that could go into the the mind of Rod Sterling, I'd love to just see how it works, because there had to be a method to this man's madness. There had to be a method to his madness. But anyway, that's I give it a zero. I, I have to give it a zero because I think it really sucked. So <laughs> I'm going to put it over to you, Robert.
3: Thank you, Lynn. I mean, you couldn't nudge welcome. it up a little bit for um, time travel in this episode. Just
1: couldn't, What's that? Well, uh, would you- couldn't
3: just get it up there to a little bit, like a one or something but no I can't blame you the story is terrible to be honest about it but.
1: no I can't I can't, I, just can't. <laughs> I I wouldn't under another circumstance I would if it was different but this is so this is almost like uh Keystone Cops type of comedy I I, I don't know it's it's like the Keystone Cops meets the old west I just I can't <laughs> I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. <laughs> well, that's this whole
3: comedy aspect of the episode. It didn't help it very much. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I mentioned was it very much reminds me of a um, a lesser appreciated episode called The Bard, which was oh, episode one twenty uh, yeah. season four.
1: And yeah, uh, got four a half right. Is that four? That's four, right? That's an hour long episode, isn't
3: it? Yeah, that's the fifty one minute Yikes. joy one coming ahead. Yeah. Yikes.
1: Check, check, check. I'll be out of town on that one. I won't be on anymore. <laughs> okay, we'll have to I'm fill in you, We're moving to Philadelphia,
3: <laughs> You know, as writers do, they get stand-ups. We'll get a stand-up for you there, uh, Bobby. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> sure. So, yeah, you know, the whole thing, the bar is about Shakespeare, what he was called. Towards the end of the episode, they introduced um, figures from the past of um, what to be written. So I thought it would be kind of an interesting idea. Um, I do have a clip for this episode, but I decided to save it for my review, and I'm going to run that and the um, clip of the Bard together, and you can see the comparisons where I feel that this episode, the showdown of Rance McGrew, was actually a prequel to season four, as um, um, Dave Safonley says, um, you know, Two Bites of the Cherry, and I sure. believe this is uh, what one of the things he was talking about.
2: Yeah, sure. Howdy, Marshal. You the horse, Jeff. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> you said anything, and anything is the following. I'm going to stick around from picture to picture to make sure you don't hurt no more feelings. Now, in this scene, Jesse don't shoot you in the back. You know? He's lost a lot of blood. He's weak as tea, But he can still get on his feet, knock you through that window, and make his getaway. That understood? He knocks me, Rance McGrew, through a window? What's a? Cy? Yeah? Cy, uh, I have a great idea for something I think might be a fun shot. Uh... What? Are you out of your mind? Jesse does what? All right. All right. Scene 93, take two. Action. That was just fine. Now about next week's episode, the one where you knock the gun out of Billy the Kid's hand from a fourth-story window a half a block away with the base of a lamp. Still good, huh? Stakes. Way I see it is this: now, Billy, he hears you, and he whirls around, and he fires from the hip, and he shoots the lamp right out of your hand. Now, in two weeks, I think we ought to give Sam Starr a break. He's a real nice fella, awful good to his mother. Yeah, American history, right? Right. And you want it documented, like, right? Documented, of course. Mm -hmm. And you want it real authentic, like authentic above all. (laughs) Now, I'd like you to meet my staff. Send the gentleman in, would you? Ulysses S. Grant, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Pocahontas, Daniel Boone, Theodore Roosevelt, Benjamin Franklin.
3: And thank goodness it ends right there.
1: <laughs>
3: it got sillier and sillier that episode. Oh my god, end. it
1: certainly did. Uh, it did. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable.
3: If they could have seen and and during that mention of the names, all these people are dressed in the you know uh, their proper period.
1: garb. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh my goodness, it's almost it's like almost a like, remember, bad remember. episode.
1: No, say, Bill remember, and Ted's
3: Excellent Adventure. Remember that, Bill and Ted's Excellent yeah, Adventure? Yeah, yeah. I it was a bad yeah. episode of that.
1: And, and also, <laughs> if you, and I'm sure you remember uh, Bewitched. Remember Bewitched? Yep. Okay, yep. with Elizabeth. With Elizabeth and she used to conjure up all these people from the past, and at one point she had Benjamin Franklin there, and she had George Washington, and she had... God knows who else. I mean, had, oh, you had Aunt Clara
3: you know, make this terrible mistake. Aunt Clara, yeah, the yeah. terrible
1: mistake. And all of a sudden, you would have Benjamin Franklin, and he was, he was all of a sudden, he was downtown. He was walking around downtown, and people thought he was nuts. And, you know, it, it was, it's sort of like that. You know, it was almost like they copied it. Not, not necessarily copied it, but they had the same basic idea. You know, conjure yeah. somebody, and now you have to explain who they are, why they're dressed. Let me
3: throw my magical desk down and cast my few um, words over it, and all these people, Kamazoo, will appear. You know.
1: Right, and then you have to explain to Darren's boss and everybody else that sees them. Oh, this is my crazy. I remember the one episode where she said, "Oh, this is my crazy uncle," or you know, my my uh, eccentric, eccentric. Uncle Frenchman. Arthur,
3: I loved him. He was oh, so. Paul Lynn, he was
0: funny. Paul I Lynn him when
1: Paul Lin was brilliant. Paul yep. was, but yep. but yeah, that's how she would explain these people. This is my eccentric uncle, you know, and and that's how she explained these people away. But yeah, it's it's almost similar to that. It really is.
3: Yeah, and that's why I compared it to because it it's like I said, it, this episode feels very much like a prequel to the Bard later on. And yeah. I mean, the season four one. I mean, this was only what about twenty two, twenty three minutes. You're talking about. Fifty one minutes of pure torture. With oh the my
1: God! <laughs> yeah.
3: Boy, that's don't that's... we look forward to watching that when we get to season four? Anyway.
1: Uh, which? Wait a minute. Was Burt Reynolds in that one? No, yeah,
3: no, he, no. Was, yeah that he was. Remember? He was in that.
1: Yeah, he got Shakespeare goes up something. to
3: him and talks to him and says, "Who are you? Oh, I'm, punches you know, the them. character in this piece." Yeah.
1: He okay, punches <laughs> him out. Yeah, that was that was Burt <laughs> Reynolds in the in, in the Twilight wow. Zone. You gotta love it. But yeah. So. But also,
3: I, I make a comparison. Oh, no problem. I make a comparison also to Back to the Future 3, where um, Marty's wearing that stupid cowboy Tom Mix outfit. And yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the two clips yeah. I played at the beginning there, where he walks in, wears that ridiculous hat that his um, ancestor gave him. Uh-huh. and yeah. You know, the, you have the three original cowboys. You got the one that plays in um, Green Acres. You know, tell you what I'm going to do for you, Mr. Douglas. Mr. Haynes. Mr. Haynes. Mr. Haynes. Yeah, the guy that played Mr. Haney. He was Mr. the third Raines. cowboy. Pat
1: Putram, Pat Puttrum. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yep. And they were all sitting around the table there saying, you know, did the circus walk in and all that. That was that one. Exactly. Clip. And then the other ones where, you know, Mad Dog Tanner um, almost kills Marty and Doc saves him. And he says, who put that ridiculous outfit on? And he goes, <laughs> you did.
0: <laughs> Robert. Yeah. Uh, do you yeah. go to do you go to Renaissance fairs and make fun of the people's outfits and stuff like that? Are you one of those kind of people? I've never
3: been interested in, in the Renaissance. Um, I do love that Big Bang Theory one where um, they're all dressed in Renaissance outfit, and, um, especially how, the work yeah. How about
0: sci-fi, um, 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 um conventions?
3: I used to go to Marcon for years. I used to dress as a fourth doctor sometimes. Oh, really? okay.
1: Oh, no, okay. kidding. that's cool. That so yeah, cool. I used
3: to have the wig and the coat and
1: wow. the scarf and
3: all that. That was, yeah, wow. that's fun.
1: And and there's a big Renaissance Fair that takes place in Pennsylvania every year. Rick, you probably know about it. The big Renaissance Fair takes place in Pennsylvania every year. I believe it's, uh, oh, my God, is it cut? There's
3: one of Ohio also. There yeah peak. oh
1: big big one i can't remember the, the town now i think it's kutztown but i can't i can't be sure but yeah major renaissance i've never been to it but i hear it's like if you're into that kind of stuff that is the one to go to yeah but the
3: whole thing is rick would you want to go back to the 1800s dressed in that with sneakers because yeah. you can't get the boots on
0: <laughs> uh-uh. how could have played no. that. But, but <laughs> dressed like that? Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: okay.
3: Uh, but put... any. Go ahead, Lynn.
1: No, I just want to say you have to put sneakers on Daphne.
3: <laughs> well, be comfortable in the boots. I couldn't blame yeah. you on that. But,
1: yeah, so
0: <laughs>
3: but it, it's a whole thing about this episode how lazy can Rance be by not studying his roles? I mean, you know a lot of these actors, they learn, you know, how to portray the actors by actually getting into, you know, what the character is, you know. You've heard of actors preparing for a role. For one example, Christian sure. Bale, I'm Batman, you know. That's, yeah. yeah. But also he's done lesser ones. Call, one was called um, The Machinist, which um, he knocked himself all the way down to, I think it was 100 pounds or 90 yeah. pounds, something like yeah. that, to portray a role. And, I mean, man, I don't know if you've seen it, but Out is a creepy movie, and I remember watching it. But, you know, it's also kind of in the way of um, where, you know, you got the, um, I think, isn't that Christopher Nolan movie, Rick?
0: I believe so, yeah.
3: Yeah, because he comes out with another one later on, which runs along that same line of The Machinist, where, the beginning is not the beginning, and the end is not the end. It's kind of mixed in to where the end is the beginning, and the beginning's you know, in the middle or at the end. You know, one of those type movies where you know it's a pulp fiction type where all it's all convoluted. mixed.
1: convoluted, yeah, kind of, kind of convoluted. Yeah. Well, you know who else did but, that? Uh, what's her name? Uh, Anne Hathaway. She took the role of the uh, lead, the lead uh, female star of Laban's Rob, and she lost something like 60 pounds. I mean, she looks absolutely horrible, but she's supposed to for that role. She is supposed to look very, uh, oh, I I don't know. She's supposed to look uh, totally anemic, anemic, starved. I mean, uh, I saw pictures of her. Did you see them at all, Robert? The pictures of her when she was um, doing this movie, Les Miserables? She went. She lost something like 60 pounds. She looked like she was absolutely starving. Her face was all drawn. She looked... I, the worst I've ever seen her look. I mean, I, I yeah, don't... Yeah, Charlene
3: Thornton's I, another actress that did yeah. something similar, had her face all, you know, look real messed up and bad for a, a role yeah. she did, too. Yeah.
1: Oh, Anne Hathaway looks absolutely horrendous. I mean, she's perfect for the role she's playing, but my God, to see her, you would think that she was on a death store. She was at that store. I mean, it absolutely horrible.
3: And another but, uh, one is Daniel J. Lewis. And you remember Daniel J. Lewis. He really gets into his role. Yes, he
1: does. He after he gets done character. with the
3: role, it takes him about, I think you said, three to four months to shake off the role, mm-hmm. the character yeah. he's portraying. Yeah. So, yeah, he really, really he gets, gets into his
0: role. He becomes, actually, yeah. Robert, the director was a guy by the name of Brett Anderson.
3: Oh, okay. Thank you for that correction. I wasn't for sure if um, Nolan did that one or not. For the Machinist, you mean? Yeah. Okay, great.
1: Yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis, he he became he totally became his characters. As a matter of fact, uh, for Gangs of New York, I mean, he became mm-hmm. Bill yeah. the Butcher. He became yep. Bill the Butcher. And he was absolutely tremendous in that role. That was on the best. That's movie a good I've movie. I
3: enjoyed that. Oh, it's my long, God. way long. It's long, but...
1: very long, but yeah. it is absolutely fantastic. And you can't take your eyes off of Daniel Day Lewis throughout that movie. He 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 commands every scene. He's just unbelievable. Le, Leo DiCaprio, uh, yeah, Leonardo wasn't wasn't him yet. Leonardo DiCaprio was fabulous, but mm-hmm. Daniel Day Lewis. He completely commanded that movie. He took it over, and, oh, my God, it's just absolutely well, wonderful. Well, for some people
3: who don't know, it's about the gangs of New York starting out in the 1800s where in the four um, points. the immigrants come over to New York, and then they start yeah. forming gangs.
1: Yeah. yeah, Five five Points. Was it Five Points? Five Points. Yeah. 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 And it was absolutely a fabulous movie. I, it's one of the best I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, okay. Liam
3: Neeson played his father in his that. His father so. was in it for,
1: what, about uh, 15 minutes, 10 minutes?
3: Yeah. Something like that. He was Even like he a mystery. 10
1: minutes, yeah. it was a great And actor the last also. thing I want
3: to bring up is The Lunar. Um, mm-hmm. It was a series that, um, unfortunately, only ran for one season. And it ran 65 to 66. It was written or created by um, Ross Serling. And it starred Lloyd Bridges, who played William Cotton, an ex-Union cavalry officer. It ran for 26 episodes before its cancellation. And um, I have... Um, a clip of um, William Sell and Mike Dunn talking about the idea for the loner.
2: Ron had told me about a western that he wanted to do that was called the Loner. I'm thinking of Western. CBS bought it, thinking it was going to be much more of a traditional Western than it was. And I think that from day one, we had a problem with the network. They didn't feel we were delivering what we sold them, and we thought we were. Um, they just didn't understand what we were selling, I guess. And it became a very uh, uh, serious problem with CBS. They wanted more action, more violence. I didn't define action as- seven bullet holes, and nine people. I really just wanted them to, I guess, ride around a lot more and save a lot more people or jump over a lot more houses and trees. But he said to me, you don't need any action in it. You just need characters you believe in and identify with. Rod always went to the press. He was probably, in the history of television, one of the most outspoken critics of the industry he was in he never missed the opportunity to point out our weaknesses i'm sure rod was very uh hurt by the cancellation he was his old network it wasn't given a fair shot in his judgment and in mine it was very hard for rod the critics were against him and his network was against him
3: so and that's the unfortunate exit for the loaner um but, yeah, that's pretty much, I had to dig to find those interviews. But yeah. hopefully, um, there are some clips on YouTube. Hopefully, like, uh, I'll be able to find it and actually watch a whole episode when I get a chance just to see what it was like. But I give this um, <clears throat> one out of five, um, reluctant one, and for pretty much the time travel aspect of it. Here again, we don't have no, you know, car no watch no boots no nothing you just all of a sudden you're back in the old west kind of you know like back there in some of the other episodes so i'll pass this on to bobby
4: oh thank you very much uh uh you two have gone so far afield of this episode i forgot what we were talking about but i can understand (laughs) that
0: there's
4: absolutely nothing to say about it rather than discuss the, the episode i'd rather uh talk about some of the things that uh lynn mentioned and uh One of them is this business about, and we've talked about this before, is this business about Rod Serling going into comedy, westerns, and all kinds of things that he was not particularly good at. And that really is unfortunate. When I was a child, my mother said to me, uh, she suggested that I pick out one thing to really be good at and stick to it and be the best at it, and maybe I'd be a rich man one day. Unfortunately, I didn't take her advice, so I'm not a rich man today but it's still good advice and he should have taken it Uh, because I wouldn't mind so much if he had gone into Westerns and comedy and things like that. The problem is he didn't do it very well. That's the problem with it. I don't need science fiction stories every week. I don't need outer space and uh, spacemen and monsters and things like that. But if you're going to do it, at least make it interesting. And he really didn't. And that's, that's the problem with that. So every time he does that, you know, it's, it's very glaring. The other thing is that, and, and this is one of those things about any series that is a classic or is considered to be a classic, you always expect it to be good every week. People get that way right away. So if you find a series you really like and you see a certain number of episodes that stick with you, you have the idea that it's always going to be this way. And then when it's not, you get really, really disappointed. That's the, the bad side about creating anything that's really excellent and having people love it. It's the same in sports or anything, if you have a good year in baseball or in football. And then the next year, you just have an average year. People want to know what happened to you. Why didn't you do this every year? Of course, it's unreasonable. And it's absurd to expect such a thing. And the same thing is true here, but it really is glaring in this series. And sometimes, if I tell anybody about the Twilight Zone, who was born many years afterwards and maybe isn't familiar with it, and I say, well, look, you know, it's on TV right now. You've got to watch it. You don't know what you're missing. I always worry that they're going to run into one of these lousy episodes and say, what the hell is he talking about? This is awful. And that's one of the problems with it. And this is another one of those really ridiculous episodes. Actually, I hate to admit this, but in the first five minutes, I was rather interested. I watched it last night for the first time in a long time. I don't even remember the last time I saw it. And I thought, well, you know what, it's a little intriguing when it first begins where it's going to go. But like the other balance, it simply completely falls apart. It just goes absolutely nowhere. And it seems like the longest 23 minutes in the history of TV, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. And it's simply boring. And that's the trouble with it. And it's just, it's just kind of sad to see that kind of thing happen. But listen, if I was a writer and I was did as many things as Rod Serling did for this series, I would say to people, what do you expect from me? You I have to come up with a classic every week? I mean, that's not easy to do. So I kind of give them a pass on that. What I don't like in the series is when we have these spells where there's like two or three in a row that are substandard. That really gets me down. I don't mind so much if there's a bad one every now and then, and then you get a classic, and I go, all right, we'll forget about that. And we've got to serve man coming up in a few shows, and that, of course, is a fabulous episode. So it almost cancels out all the bad that came before it. But this is just absolutely awful. Now, like I do before every show, I went to IMDB. I was in a hurry today. I didn't get the chance to read the reviews there, but the people there gave it a 6.5 out of 10. It's an old story. I mean, no matter how bad it is, they always give it a better than average or rating. I, and I'm sure there must be reviews there which people are praising it as the funniest thing they've ever seen and the most, the best episode of the series. It's just ridiculous. And you got to wonder, uh, you know, what they're thinking. Um, yeah, I agree that A Nice Place to Visit was a, 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 one of my favorite episodes, and it really is appalling to see him back again in, in uh, a piece of junk like this. Um, I don't know what to say about it. I just didn't like it, and I gave it a zero, and I I can't I, I wish I could give it a one like Robert did, but I can't think of anything I liked about it, so I'll stick with the zero. Um, I know I've said this before in other bad episodes, but I say this again, the most interesting part for me was at the very end of the episode when Rod Serling gives his uh, final comments, and afterwards he has to give a cigarette commercial. I mean, that's that's <laughs> the most appalling thing of all. <laughs> to sit here and watch this man uh, with a cigarette—well, he always had a cigarette between his fingers—to sit and watch him uh, promote something that would ultimately lead to his death is really appalling. It's really amazing mm-hmm. to see that, and it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a historical comment when you watch these episodes and you see these little commercials for cigarettes, it's interesting to look at because you don't see that on TV anymore. And that's uh, you know that's the fascinating part about it. It seems so incredibly out of place. Well, and unfortunately,
1: I you know what was,
4: Go
3: ahead. No, I was going to say no. what was interesting is they showed at the end, I did catch the um, closing of the loaner, and they actually showed the product on the screen as the credits oh, were going, you know, Marlboro
4: cigarettes oh, and whatever else, oh, yeah. Really. yeah yeah they used to do that all the time, and they they didn't care whether they were selling things to kids or whatever they didn't they didn't really mind uh when the, uh, I was very young when the Twilight Zone the first came when, I was twelve years old and uh and I, as I've told Lynn in the past, I had an older brother who used to send me to the drugstore to buy cigarettes for him, and he would give me money for candy and I could go in the drugstore and indeed, I did at the age of, uh, even younger than that at the age of eight and nine. And he asked across the counter for a carton of cigarettes and they would hand it right to me. I mean, it's unbelievable. Nobody cared whether I was the one smoking or not. They simply sold it to me and I took it back to him. I never had any, I never smoked a cigarette in my life, so I never had any interest in it. But, you know, it's just kind of, it's, it's, it's kind of sad. Every time I see that at the end of the episode, I feel like screaming at the screen, Rod, don't do this. You have a bad heart. Uh,
1: unfortunately, unfortunately, back then, they didn't know what they did back. Do now? I mean, you didn't have the warnings on the cigarette, la- uh, cigarette packages, and you yeah, know, but even
4: I'm, cigarettes weren't harmful. Do you really want an eight-year-old kid smoking? I
1: mean, honestly. No, of course not. But I'm <laughs> saying back in 1961, 59, you didn't have them. The Surgeon General warning you about anything. I mean, back then, smoking was the thing to do. Every show that you watched, Dick Van Dyke smoked. Oh, absolutely. smoked. Desi smoked. They all Lucy and Ricky smoked all the time on 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 uh, I love Lucy. Oh, yeah. The fans wow. Dyke smoked. They all smoked. Peter Gunn,
3: no, all of them. Yeah, Peter everybody,
1: everyone. It's gun smoke. I mean, nobody cared because back then you didn't have the warnings on the labels, and nobody said, oh, smoking is going to kill you. Okay, you you had to have common sense to say, well, you know, it's not the, the you know most. Well, uh,
4: you, you couldn't have a TV detective who didn't smoke because that was part of the image. Right.
1: Right. Cool I mean, Colombo smoked. Didn't Colombo smoke? Am I, am I wrong uh, about that? Peter I, that smoke? I
4: don't know. I, I'm not sure.
1: I think sure. he did. Peter did. Falker, I think he did, yeah. Most of them the, did. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, you, they didn't have all those warnings back then, and that was the thing to do. And so it, it was cool. Dan August,
3: portrayed by smoke. Burt Reynolds, he smoked too, so.
1: They yeah. all did. It was cool back then. You didn't have the warnings, and <laughs> no one knew that it was going to kill you. Yeah,
4: it's just kind of sad to see that at the episode, but that's the only thing oh. that woke me up. The rest of it put me to sleep. And uh, it's just another zero, and uh, all I can say is uh, stay away from comedy because, not because there's a place for it. You know, I think they, I, what I've read with people who are successful writing one thing or doing one thing, they always say, I got tired of doing that. I wanted to try something else. It's boring for me to write the same kind of stories over and over and over again. Let me do a little comedy. Let me do this. Let me do that. Fine. Be good at it. Find out if you're good at it first, and then do it. He was not good at it, and I haven't liked any in any episode of this series uh, that has gone away from from the, the basics. I have not enjoyed, and it's just another case of that. So I'll simply stick with zero. All right, Lynn, back to you.
1: Okay. Well, I was just going to say that basically um, everybody back then, even back during I Love Lucy and Twilight Zone, Dick fans like all these shows. Were, these people weren't idiots. I mean, they had to know that sucking smoke into your lungs, of course, can't be the healthiest thing in the world, but there, was, there were no warnings back then. Nobody said, well, you know, if you keep doing this, you're no, going to you're gonna die. No, ever,
0: nobody ever said it wasn't healthy, and that they didn't, uh, they didn't think it wasn't healthy. Exactly. And I mean, um, um, how could um, you possibly they did believe, it. How could you possibly
4: believe that putting smoke in your lungs is healthy? If well, you were in the middle of a fire, yeah. would you weave the smoke in from the fire? It's preposterous. It's ludicrous.
3: Cowboys did it clear back in the 1800s. They used to yeah, roll the their own. Imagine man. them smoking without any filters.
1: Indians
4: did it all the
3: time.
1: Yeah. And For come on, it, yeah. you know. That was the, Mar- the, the Marlboro Man. I mean, the Marlboro Man. He was he was like the ultimate man there. The Marlboro Man on that horse. I mean, hey, if you smoke, you're going to look like this guy. You know, so, I mean, you, know you you had no clue. You had no clue because there, nothing looked bad about him. Nothing looked wrong about the Marlboro guy, and he's well, smoking it's, all, all it's, over the place.
4: It's so, tough so. to stop when you've been smoking for years. My mother and my sister smoked for years and years and years, and they stopped smoking the very day that the Surgeon General's report came out. That was the day they stopped right then and there. Well, can't yeah,
1: the very few people can do that, though. Very few people can just put them down to that fit. I mean, it's hard to, to quit smoking. I mean, I did smoke for a short time, you know, a few years ago. I smoked for probably about four years, and uh, I, it's very hard, and I did quit. And I had to use one of those uh, smoking things, you know, the uh, Nic- uh, Nicorette, you know, and I mm-hmm. used it. And it worked. It worked. But... Uh, yeah, it's hard. You can't just put your – your your sister and mother were very lucky because you can't just put your cigarettes down and say, that's it, I'm not going to smoke again, because it's very hard, very hard well,
4: to do that. They did it, that's all I
1: know. Yeah, God bless them, because I'll tell you, it's hard. So, Rick, what's up?
0: Well, I've said this many times before, and everybody has so far this episode, so I guess I won't say it again, Rod. Get some comedy writers uh anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, he idea. did try
3: western hey. so it's not comedy, but he did try western
2: <clears throat> anyway
0: uh but um um you know uh, most of the stuff, believe it or not, like. Like the stuff you saw, like all the background people running around, and and uh, you know, oh wait, hold on, we got to cut and get the, the the stunt person and all that. All that is was actually very um 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 true. Uh, very you know um, uh, stuff like that goes on the set all the time, and it was uh, very well for, portrayed. I thought. Other than that, the story <laughs> the acting was all right um uh, you guys were making fun of um um Jesse James being dressed up with the you know <laughs> the the uh the, the outrageous suit and the shirt and what he was an agent. What do you want?
1: Well, they all dressed like that, didn't they? for that time. I mean, the has
3: to identify himself like security on Star Trek had to, you know, shut ourselves with red shirts. Agents have yes. to stand They have, to look, they have to look <laughs> very garish. Yeah, <laughs> to, garish.
1: garish. To, yeah. To,
0: to mix um um series. Okay, anybody remember um, 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 oh God. Uh, um... I don't know, you the, have to come
4: up with the title or I won't know.
0: Yeah, uh, was it um, 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 Starsky and Hutch with H- Huggy Bear? Starsky and Hutch, Huggy Bear, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, with that nice <laughs>
3: car. Oh man, love that car. That,
0: that that's the way pimps always dress in the city.
1: Pimps, mm. <laughs> pimps and agents, right? They they swap clothes, you <laughs> know. Okay. Isn't, isn't there like a isn't there like a like uh, a store where you can go buy pimp and aging gloves somewhere. <laughs> I
0: think that might be somewhere. Who knows? Yeah, the pimp
4: the pimp
1: shop, the pimp shop the hoods. Shop. <laughs> <laughs> you
4: walk into
3: pimp and hoods.
1: Pimp Pimp up. Pimp me up. Agent saurus. <laughs> <are> <laughs> but
3: um I remember the movie Superfly. That was pretty
1: good. Oh, Superfly. Superfly.
0: Yeah.
1: Hey, that was a good Go ahead, a purple suit. The purple suit. Good stuff. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: Yep. I'm trying but, to get Bobby a purple suit, but he won't let me do it. <laughs> but, um, you
2: know,
0: um, uh, I, I, you know, I don't know, though. I'd give it a little higher than you guys. I'll give it a two. Really? Wow. Get it
1: really? Wow. Well. Oh, wow. Rick, man, you are a generous man. <laughs> oh, this man is generous. Seriously. You know
3: what I always wanted? I wanted the white suit that Sonny Crockett wore in uh, Miami oh, Vice. Oh, yeah.
1: And, and I yeah. actually
3: had the jacket. I had a blue. It was in blue. It was kind of cool. Oh,
0: the leisure really suit? Yeah. white. Uh, You're yeah.
1: you talk talking about Miami Vice?
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah, Miami Vice, yeah. White shoes. Oh, they cool. dress cool. Yeah, that was the seventies. So they were dressed in seven, late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, early eighties.
0: Eighties, oh, yeah. Oh
1: yeah, they 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 dressed very cool. this yeah.
0: Disco time, Dis- the disco era. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh yeah, Barbara Summers and all that stuff. Yeah. Donna Summers, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, oh Bar- Barbara,
2: Barbara,
1: Barbara Summers. Summers. Barbara Summers. <laughs> Barbara Summers. <laughs> the hell is Barbara Summers. <laughs> Maybe I'm about Barbara Walters. Barbara Walters. <laughs> Barbara Walter
2: Walters and Donna Summer. Oh, yeah, she was a disco queen. Yeah, that's
1: her. All right, Donna Summers. And Gloria Gaynor. I got that one right. I Will Survive. Remember survive.
3: that
1: Survive, yeah, yeah. Yep, okay, I got that one right. Meh. Okay.
3: My favorite was the Bee Gees. I liked oh, it, especially oh, Saturday oh, Night Fever that. movie. was excellent.
1: Love John Travolta. the Bee Gees. We just watched that movie again the other night. Uh... For like what the fiftieth time this year, <laughs> we every time it comes on we end up watching. Yeah, but that was that was a great movie. That was good.
3: Staying Felix? Alive wasn't as good. Uh, where, the sequel no, that was to, horrible.
1: Yeah. I some of mm-hmm. these remakes are the worst. Why do they even do it? Felix, did, are you there? Because uh, no, all- he
3: had audio problems, but he did leave uh-huh. his um, rating.
1: Bummer! Oh, zero point five. Even he gives give it a half. Half rating. That's
3: what I would have loved to give it. Yeah, but zero point five.
1: When did we create that? Yeah, hamper rating. Well, that's because Felix does is is that's his own rating system. <laughs> right. is, that, a, is
4: that a little bit better than crap or what?
1: What is that? It's, it's just went five. up from zero, a little low. It's little half low. a
4: diamond
3: that didn't quite make it out of the rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: you got it. <laughs> it yes. just
3: sunk deeper. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man well i'm sorry that dave wasn't here today because he i that
3: well it could be doctor who is starting up today we're supposed to be getting it here pretty shortly i don't think it uh-huh. aired yet on bbc america but over there that's the big thing over in britain's doctor who and oh, um, rick i think
0: isn't it five episodes
3: and then they're going to take a break run the christmas special and then the rest in 2013
0: Um, yeah, basically, uh, um, that's what's going to happen. You're going to be, I don't know how you guys think of the pawns, but you're going to be subjected or extended, uh, the first five episodes of this, uh, series. And then you get the new, uh, companion.
3: Yeah. I watched the pawn life, which was a series of, um, internet, webisodes were only like about a minute long if anything but the asylum of the dialects is the premiere for tonight
1: so that's what what you think dave's involved with right now
3: could be yeah
1: yeah oh listen
3: about it tomorrow
1: this is the absolute last time i'm going to ask for this and i promise i will put it somewhere where i won't lose it can you please give me the id number for Dave's wine show, I have asked for this four times now. I know that this time I am putting it on my computer in a file, and I won't lose it. I always write it on a piece of paper, and then the piece of paper gets lost. Do you have his wine show ID?
3: Well, let me check. Unless um,
1: I, I, I really hate this. I keep losing me. it. Because I do this every time we do a show, I say "Give me the," and I put it on a piece of paper, and the piece of paper is on my desk. It moves around, and then it gets lost. This time, immediately after the show, I'm putting it in my computer. Hmm. I know has... it's Prudy is,
3: I think, is the name of it, but um...
1: okay. And so, my so the way
3: being slow today, unfortunately. I think I tried to go
1: in at one point, and I just tried to look it up by his name, but that you can't do that. that it has to be the ID or the name of the show. So I have no idea what it is, but I really would like to listen to that one night or one day whenever he has it on.
3: That's what I'm looking for here. He, he,
1: could, be, he could be
0: working on his uh, show for tomorrow. He could be...
1: Uh, oh, yeah, it's Coltum Collective. Yeah, Coltum Collective. Yeah true, too. Yeah, I wonder who's got a plan for that. Oh, and by the way, uh, two weeks from now, uh, we are going to be doing, um, okay, Robert, which are we going uh, gonna to be doing two weeks Actually, from now? Actually,
3: uh, excellent episode, far better than
1: kick the can. what we were
3: presented. Yeah, definitely. Kick
1: the can, can. yeah. And
0: that
3: this is, is the original to... kick the can, not oh, the um, Twilight Zone so the movie, movie version
1: no. Uh-uh. <laughs> this, is the, this is the one with Ernest Truix who I absolutely adore. I adore Ernest Truix. So we will be doing that on September 15th. Saturday, September 15th at this time. And we'll be can with Ernest Truix and uh, he's just absolutely, absolutely a joy to watch. Oh, uh, so, damn. damn. Okay, watch.
0: here it is. I might be at a, a college football game.
1: No, well, no, Red, what you can do is send me an MP3,
0: like
3: Dave did when he was having problems, and then I can air the MP3 for you on the show. All right. If you want to do that. Yeah, just send it to um, um, my email address, and I'll type it up here real quick in the chat for you. Um, his show ID, you got your pen and paper ready? Yeah. 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 It is 112272. Two, that is one,
1: Big one. and Fruity. Big and Fruity? <laughs>
3: yeah, and he's talking about corks. It's supposed to be episode 54. It's about on corks. September the 4th. Well, <laughs> Mine, yeah, they hold your wine in, you know, to preserve it.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's corks and stoppers and all kinds of things. Yeah. Okay, 112272. Two,
3: yeah, it's on at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and it's 9-4, September 4th, 20 years.
1: I want to be there for that. All right. Anyway, and uh, no, Rick, no, Rick, you have to be here. Yeah, i got to cancel the football games. I'm sorry. No. Oh, <laughs> uh, come on, Rick. I, I need to talk to Daphne. I, I mean, this, this is just, well, can Daphne take your place?
0: If she suddenly grow, grows thumbs and can um, 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 speak uh, something other than dog a gall as
3: I okay, call her. what you do, Rick, is you, you get a cursed collar
0: from Friday the
3: Thirteenth, <laughs> put it on somebody, and have them change it to a dog. There you go.
1: There you go. You got two weeks <laughs> to teach her. Come on, Rick. Let's not let's not uh, be lazy here and teach the dog. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, We yeah, don't want to do can.
3: that. We'd rather kick the can than kick the dog. I don't think we'll want to do that. Don't
1: you kick those dogs. you nope. kick a dog, you'll nope. get my foot up your butt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my darling friend. And
3: that is when? September? September 15th. I don't have my count. Okay. September 15th. Let people know. Uh,
1: today's what? The first? Yes, yeah, so it's September 15th, and that's um, uh, kick the can with the wonderfully delightful Eric Struick's and I'm looking very forward to that. So we will see all of you then. And uh, it's Labor Day weekend, so everyone have a fabulous weekend. No matter what you're doing or not doing, just have a good time not doing it or doing it. Okay? So now we oh, hit that dusty trail as
3: we hit go now. Hit that dusty trail.
1: Goodbye, everybody.
3: <laughs> Goodbye, all. <laughs>